Greetings, kiddos. I hope you're having an awesome week. Don't forget to take a break, get outside, and enjoy the sunshine. If you're ready to get started on your passive investing journey, pause this right now and go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com. Click join the club and get started on your passive investing journey. Here on PIA, we don't discriminate if you're not a lawyer. We're here to help educate everyone about creating more passive income streams so that they can all experience true freedom of time, finance, relationships, and mindset. Today, we have a very special guest, periodontist Dr. Jeff Anzalone, who shares his perspective as a doctor and why we all need to reconsider how we think about money, the education system, and our future. Dr. Jeff Anzalone is a full-time practicing periodontist in the great state of Louisiana, author and founder of DebtFreeDoctor.com. His focus is on helping doctors and other high-income professionals create passive income from real estate so that they can stop trading their time for money. All right, let's get it on. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Jeff, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. Well, let's just jump right in. Uh, what's your story? Feel free to brag a little bit. Well, the, the story kind of started off a little bit bad, I guess, like the, the typical movie. Um, about two weeks before my training, uh, dental surgery training, I was planning on going back to, to my hometown, Louisiana, to join a group. And, you know, the problem with, you know, medical school, dental school, law school, you know, anything like that, they teach you how to do your trade, but they don't teach you anything about running a business. Right. So exactly. I was completely relying on that practice to, you know, hire people for me, um, you know, get patients, you know, everything that is involved with running a, a business or a practice. So unfortunately about two weeks before the uh, training ended graduation, the, the deal, the deal fell through. And my wife and I, we had a two month old, I uh, had already purchased a home that I was just paying interest only because <laughs> the banker knew the group that I was going in with. So it was, you know, this was before the 2008 real estate crash. It was just like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it for you. That's how you bought a house, you know, back then for right, right. those of you that don't know that. <laughs> so, um, had about 300,000 in student loan debt. Um, but again, the worst part was not knowing how to run a business or practice. And that, um, it, it was, it was bad. It was, you, you go from not really worrying about paying off loans or debt because you're going to make pretty good money. So I went from sort of an abundance type mindset to one of fear and scarcity, like, you know, overnight. And to be honest with you, it's taken me a long time to, to get over that. And I still struggle with it because, you know, just like last year when the pandemic hit, you know, anything could be gone in the blink of an eye, you know? So, um, that 
that happened. Luckily, I had a, 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 a communicated, you know, some some of the local dental specialists, and one of them had gone through sort of the similar situation. He took me in. I was able to use his staff, use his office. I didn't have to take out any more loans. He taught me the business. And after about two and a half years, I was able to, to build up a practice enough to purchase the building that I'm in now. And um, here we are. Oh, that's awesome, man. I mean, you said some pretty powerful things there. 300K in student loan debt. I think a lot of our listeners can, can relate to, you know, having that burden out of, you know, law school or dentistry school or, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, you know, you're kind of putting that hole right out of the gate. You know, we're, we're, we're taught like growing up, let's go to, let's get the best job that we can possibly get. And, you know, we become lawyers or dentists or doctors or something like that. And then we're put in this massive, massive hole. And as you mentioned, not even taught how to run a business. Um, and it is a business. Um, and it's very difficult to kind of navigate, navigate those waters, but it sounds like you've um, kind of made your way out of that and dug yourself out. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you've, how you've been able to do that? Well, in high school and in college, I used to mow yards. So I actually resorted back to mowing yards that summer. Uh, talk about a humbling experience. You know, you go through all that training and you're still mowing yards, you know, but uh, you got to do what you got to do, you know, to put yeah. food on the table and to, to make ends meet. So uh, I did that. Uh, I started working trying to build my practice in the mornings and then working in other offices in the afternoon, five days a week for that two, two and a half years. And uh, that helped me to pay, you know, just pay the mortgage, pay the bills as I was building my practice. And, it, you know, it probably took, you know, anywhere from three to four years to really start to see growth. Uh, just, you know, it's just how it is, you know, with really any business and, um, you know, luckily we've been blessed to, enough to where I was able to cut back to uh, four days a week. And um, here we are. That's cool, man. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to ask about your current dentistry practice. So you said four days a week. So you, you're, you're kind of down to, to part time. Have you kind of made hires that are taking on some of the, you know, your previous uh, clients or how are you able to how are you able to cut back? Well, uh, I. I noticed that one of my slowest days was Fridays and, and I was asking some other specialists about that. They said, well, you know, we get a lot of our patients from other dentists in the area. And I don't know about your area, but in our area, the majority of the dentists don't work on Fridays. So their offices were closed. Thus we weren't really getting many phone calls on Friday. So I decided to start taking Fridays off, which has been really great because I've been able to, really spend a lot more time with my kids, their functions. I just love having a three-day weekend. It's uh, it's nice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever think you're going to get to the point where you'll, you know, maybe keep the business, but have other dentists kind of running it for you and never just walk away hundred percent or, or what are kind of your, your future goals? I think it depends on the, the person that I eventually bring in. You know, if, if it's something that uh, if they want me to stay on a little bit to, uh, you know, sort of introduce them to the community. That's fine. If, if they want me completely out of the picture, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. So uh, it, again, it just, it just kind of depends on the situation once we get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand that you, you did get into real estate investing. Is that right? Yes, correct. 
and kind of what made you kind of take that leap? You know, did you have a, an aha moment at some point in your, in your practice? And you're like, I need to, you know, start diversifying into alternative investments or real estate or, or, or what? Yeah, it was, it was actually my aha moment was actually on the ski slopes of Colorado. Uh, about uh, five or six years ago, we were skiing and I had a kid cut in front of me. And in order to not kill the kid and kill myself, I had to, to swerve. And unfortunately, when I landed, you know, whenever you fall, you, you know how you immediately put your hands down. Well, it bent my hand back and injured my wrist. Luckily, it wasn't anything major. But I, I, looking back, I think that was the, the first time I really started thinking about, well, what would happen if I got either temporarily or permanently injured? Because yeah. my family was relying on my one source of income, had no clue about passive income streams about anything like that. But that that's where I started the journey that eventually led to, you know, investing in passive, uh, you know, real estate deals to starting the blog and all of that today. But that, that was the, the one moment that I could think about. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I mean, you work with your hands. I mean, that's kind of your lifeblood. I mean, same for even attorneys. I mean, we're, we're typing or at least transactional attorneys, I'm typing all day long. Right. Um, and it's just like, you know, what would what would happen if something happened? You, you start thinking about, you know, those what ifs and those what if scenarios are, you know, they're, they're possible. So you've got to start thinking about, you know, building different types of income streams outside of your, your single, you know, W2 uh, practice, whatever that might be. Um, I always say that, you know, your W2, having one stream of income as your W2 is, is the riskiest thing you could do. Whereas most people think of it as, you know, like the safe thing to do, right? Most people think, you know, I've got a great job. I'm a dentist. I'm a doctor. I'm a, a lawyer. So I'm completely safe, but that's actually really risky because you don't have anything else. And I think, um, I think what you're doing and what I'm doing is powerful to, to our listeners to, to get out there and, and, and start, you know, building those secondary tertiary income streams. And if they want to, maybe it'll replace their active income if they, if they want to step away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we don't, we don't ever have any second thoughts about buying insurance policies, which, you know, we have, you know, especially if you run your own business, you have a multitude of different policies. Well, I really think this is no different than that. You know, this is, this is an insurance policy, but instead of you paying the company and not getting anything in return, unless you get injured or something like that, you're actually getting something in return and that would be additional income streams. Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe you can give me a little bit more insight about some of the other, you know, the pain points for physicians uh, that, that might drive them to look at real estate and other alternative assets and creating you know, side hustles and other income streams. I mean, what, you know, take me into kind of their life and, and what they're, you know, looking at. I think it's, you know, their situation and, and you know, a lot of the other just professionals out there that trade time for money, but have to trade a lot of time for money. And if, if they want to make more money, they have to work more hours or more shifts or to other offices you know, unfortunately, in our field, the reimbursements, insurance reimbursements are getting less and less a year. They're getting squeezed. We're having to do more uh, 
do more work. Medicare payments are down. So we're having to each year do more work, work longer hours in order to make at least the same as last year, maybe not even as much as last year. And unfortunately, this is really leading to uh, doctor burnout really bad. Mm -hmm. um, I've had two friends, local friends here, unfortunately, take their lives in the last few years. And, you know, part of that was from that. And it's, it's really a, a, a really big thing that's going on now. So, you know, and, and it's, and I think it's called maybe like the sunk cost fallacy or, or something like that to where, you know, same thing with attorneys, you, you spend all this time and money training. And then if you get out and, and if you're, you know, let's say you've been working for seven, 10 years, you know, 12 years and you're miserable, but you think, well, God, I've got so much time and money invested in it. It's just, I don't, I, I can't quit. So you feel trapped, you know, you feel stuck. And this is what's happening to these people. And the thing is, as you know, with, uh, with real estate and passive income, you're giving them other options that they never really knew before. And I think that's really cool just to hear the excitement and the hope in their voices. Whenever I talk to them on the phone, after they found my blog or listened to a podcast, like such as yours, an interview. And it's just, you know, I'll never forget. It was a, mm, a cardiologist think she was in her mid forties in California. And she was so excited that she didn't have to work until she was 70 because, you know, I'd given her, well, not really me, but just the information had given her different options. So that that's a really cool part about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's powerful. Like information is powerful. A lot of people like us, we, we, we grew up in, you know, that W2 mindset. We grew up thinking just get a really good job. And, and that's, you know, all there is, you know, nine to five till 65 and then you retire. Um, you know, at least when I grew up, it was just like, we didn't even, I, I grew up in a blue collar family and it was just about getting a good job. It was, we didn't even think about, you know, starting a business or buying a bunch of real estate or anything like that. It just wasn't, you know, part of, part of my mindset. So I think when, you know, they listen to your podcast and you, you get the, you know, the wheels turning, it's just like, oh, there's, there's another way. And it, it changes people's lives for sure. Um, you said a couple other awesome things there, man. I mean, you know, it's crazy that dentists and doctors and, and lawyers were some of the most unhappiest, we're the unhappiest people on the planet. Like, because of some of those reasons you put out, we, we put so much effort and time and, you know, people think of us, you know, on, on this prestigious pedestal or something, but really, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And a lot of, you know, trading a lot of our time, all of our time for, you know, for the money that we get. And, and it can, it can certainly take a toll as, as you spoke on it. Yeah. I think one of the things that really opened my eyes, which I'm, I'm sure you know about, and maybe some of your listeners know about is uh, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. You know, we get out and we, you know, for me, you know, thinking, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to be self-employed. You know, I'm, I'm going to take off when I want, I'm going to be the, the man, you know, but then yeah. you read about what the self-employed person is, you know, from him is, you know, if, uh, if I'm not here, I'm not, you know, the, I'm not making any money. So I'm basically nothing more than a glorified employee. You know, the, the business owns me. I don't own the business. 
and you know we pay the highest amount of taxes and all of that so that really helped me to start again start focusing on shifting to the other side of the quadrant which he calls you know the rich side the 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 poor side is the employees or the self-employed and the, and the rich side would be the business owner the investor people that uh, have, like you said have people working for them you know they can go off weeks or months at a time, the business still works or, and, or they have enough assets, uh, paying them additional income streams where they don't have to be there. And, and basically it's freedom. It's, you know, to me at this point, it's not about the money. It's about the freedom. Uh, I was watching Shark Tank last night and, you know, Mark Cuban was telling the guy, he said, you know, look, you, what, you know, he had, he had come up with, uh, some sort of device that pre COVID he had been uh, working for 13 years with two business partners. They were averaging about thousand a year in this business, basically nothing. Yeah. I think it was like <laughs> step and pull or something like that. Some sort of device you put at the bottom of an office door. So instead of grabbing the nasty door handle, you step and you can pull with your foot to open the door. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, March of 2020, they did over a million dollars in sales. <laughs> and then within six months, 7 million in sales. And, and, you know, he, he was just talking to him about, you know, it was like he won the lottery basically, but he was just telling him just now he could get out of that other job and just focus on, you know, spending time in this business, but freeing up his time because he said, I don't care how much money you make. Time is our most precious asset. And people that are listening to this that have kids, you know, they can relate to that because you only have a, just a small window that your kids are under your roof until they leave, you know, hopefully they'll leave at some point, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, you just have a very small, you know, window and I look back over my life and, and I think about every five to six years, it's, it's completely changed. You know, priorities have changed where we are in our life has changed. So, what you're thinking now that's going to happen in 20, 30 years is probably not. So I've been, you know, I, I think more now in four to five year chunks, set goals like that. And then and that really has helped out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you said is perfect, man. I mean, it, it comes down to freedom. I mean, that's really that, that big mind shift that you start thinking, well, I do, I really want to work nine to five till I'm 65 or can I start, you know, buying back my time through investing or through side hustles, whatever it might be, but figuring out, or, you know, even if you already own a business, figuring out a way to delegate and hire so that you don't have to be there every day, whatever it might be, you need to figure out a way to start buying back your time. So you are not, you know, stuck on that rat race till you're 65 and you're looking back and saying, man, I should have spent less time in the office. Um, you've got to figure that out a little bit, a little bit sooner. And I think people are starting to come around to that idea more so today than you know they kind of have in generations past so it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing to see um do you come up um you know do you see any issues when you speak to doctors about you know the, i think like attorneys they're probably pretty conservative by nature i mean do you do you get a lot of pushback from doctors or you have a hard time kind of getting them over that hump to um you know start looking at investing uh, outside of their practice that i think that was the the one of the biggest hurdles I thought starting a blog was going to be, but it's actually completely the opposite. So I, I don't have to do anything, you know, try to sell anybody or anything. I'm not selling anything. 
it's people come to me. They've already um, read articles. They've already listened to podcast interviews. They're knowledge most for the most part. They're knowledgeable about it. So they're pretty much well prepared. It's really funny. I don't even know these people. And on one phone call, they're they're telling me their life story. <laughs> they're uh, they're you know how much money they make, how much money they saved up, and they're just um, very open about it. But I will tell you this, that the, the majority of the people that you think that make a lot of money that, that should have a lot of money don't. And the right. people in their 40s and 50s that are really struggling. So the, the, the sooner we can get the word out to people, uh, the better. Why do you think that is? Do you think they're, they're, there's, they kind of have the golden handcuffs where they keep you know, buying more stuff that they don't need, the bigger houses, the bigger cars, or is it, or is it something else? I think that's a, a big part of it, but I also think uh, part of it is they think, well, you know, I, I make good money. I don't, they think the gravy train's never going to dry up. Yeah. Yeah. And they just think, you know, I'm going to make good money till I work. And, and as you know, that lots of things could happen <laughs> and they get to be in their forties <laughs> and fifties and they've got um, hardly any money saved up for retirement. They have weddings to pay for um, colleges to pay for, and they haven't, they haven't done any planning and it's, uh, it, it's sad. And they're like, well, how am I going to find this money? And I, and, and you start talking to them and they've got the million dollar homes and the cars and all of that. And I said, well, it's tough. So, yeah. uh, again, the, I've got a, my cousin that's getting ready to, uh, get finished with his training. Um, ENT and he's he's been listening to all this and reading books the whole time he's been in his residency and man he's he said as soon as I start my my job this summer you know I want to sit down with you and uh you know help me I already kind of have a game plan but help me plan out well somebody like that they're going to do great yeah but if you could get somebody right out of training or residency or you know whatever you know law school or whatever to to think about that you know, the earlier, the better. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes down to education, right? I mean, we're not taught this stuff growing up. We're not taught how to run a business. That was one of the first things you brought up on, on this interview was, you know, I wasn't taught how to, how to run a dentistry practice in dentistry school. Um, and, and even before that, I mean, we should be reading rich dad, poor dad when we're in, at least in middle school. <laughs> I mean, it should yeah, my, be. My 13 year old just, just finished it. And, and I, for people that have kids. I think it's really important that you teach them these concepts. If not, they're going to do what the masses do. They're just going to go to go to school to get a job and not learn anything about money and be broken in debt. So if uh, you, you want to change your generation, the time to start is now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's almost like we're not supposed to talk about money, but it should be on the forefront. I mean, financial education should be a requirement from you know, an early age to start learning about. It was really cool last year. You know, how, how many 13 year olds that pass by an apartment complex and they start uh, looking at it and then they ask, you know, they ask you, well, dang, I, w I wonder how much the owner's making there. You know, there's probably over a hundred tenants and they're paying rent <laughs> instead of just going, there's an apartment complex. So again, yeah. it starts with the process of thinking. They're, they're thinking about things in a different way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, let, let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, so you, you said that you got into real estate investing. What did, what did that first deal look like? 
Uh, most of the deals that I originally did because I didn't want to be a landlord were crowdfunding. That's when okay. that was started to get real big in 2017. Just did a couple of little small debt deals. And then after I got comfortable with that, after, I don't know, six, eight months, I tried to step up my game with an equity deal. Again, it was crowdfunding, uh, realty shares, which was at that time was, was the, the fund rise or the equity multiple. It was, it was the biggest crowdfunding platform back then. And uh, I'm, it was an apartment complex in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, unfortunately, after about a year, every investor lost their investment. Oh my. And what, what yeah. platform was that on? It was realtyshares.com. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. I know that one. And, um, it actually eventually went under and were taken over, but that really taught me that number one, I had no business doing that because I didn't know what I was doing. So you, know, <laughs> you get what you deserve, but I could have easily quit, but I knew that there too many people were obtaining wealth and passive income from real estate. So I, I stopped for about six months to a year and uh, really dove into studying, educating myself, going to, to conferences, seminars, and then slowly figured out the path that I needed to take, which was, uh, you know, with syndications and getting rid of that middleman, getting rid of that website. Cause I was, you know, putting trust in a website and you don't know who you're dealing with. I didn't know mm -hmm. the sponsor, you know, right. this, this person had purchased this in a, a high crime area. More people were moving out than moving in and they just ran out of money. So how had I known the person I was working with and toured the property? And, you know, that's what I do now. Uh, we, my group just purchased, uh, uh, property over in Dallas. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hands-on, uh, you know, go to look at it. So not only for me, but for other people that are counting on me to recommend these things. So that's, it's, it's reputation. It's a lot of pressure out there. So I want to do everything that I can to give people the, the accurate information and then they can decide on their own whether they should invest or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the theme of the, the episode is education, right? I mean, you just jumped right in and we always say you need to take action. You do, but the, the first step before you take action is to, you know, educate yourself. And some of these platforms are, you know, like Fundrise and, and others like it, or, you know, you can get enamored pretty quickly by, you know, this, this beautiful platform that they put together and, you know, just start throwing money into it before you're, you know, properly educated and you even know exactly what you're doing. So it's, you know, that first step is, is getting educated and networking and talking to people. And as you mentioned, and you've kind of gotten to that point now where you're investing directly rather than over, you know, through this third party medium, um, which are, you know, kind of these crowd form crowdfunding types of websites. Uh, that, that's a much better way to do it. You can kind of cut out that extra, that extra middleman and an extra layer of, well, who am I actually working with here? Yeah, because most of these deals are fifty, seventy-five, hundred thousand dollar minimums, and yep. I want to know who I'm giving that money to. I want to know who they are. I want to know about their reputation. I want to know where they live. If I have a problem, I can go, you know, knock on their door. Whereas you can't do that through these websites. So that's, you know, some people don't want to to do that, and they 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 think, oh, it's okay. But after you've been burned once, I'm not going to do it again. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy because you get on those websites and they're, they're beautiful. I mean, that's what, yeah. that's where all the money goes is, is to put money into making that platform run quickly and, and run efficiently and look beautiful. And it's pretty easy to just trust it without really digging in to see what, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so before we jump into the freedom Four, do you have one last golden nugget for our listeners. Um, I would say one of the things that another type of person that I talk to is, is the, the person that has a lot of um, background as far as education. Some of them know more than me, yet they're too scared to do anything. And you can have all the education you want in the world. You can know stuff, this and that, but until you actually take action, because at some point, you know, you've got to trust somebody. Yeah, because you know, that's their main their main issue is well, I don't know who to trust, and I don't know, you know. So if you break your leg, you pick out an orthopedic surgeon. You you got to trust that dude to fix your leg at some point, or you're <laughs> gonna walk around with a big limp, you know. So uh, so I guess my my golden nugget is you, you can never have enough information, just but you should have enough to know what you're doing, and if you can make a a good solid decision, then go with it. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. All right, man. Let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Well, with two teenagers, uh, they're <laughs> always wanting to do something. Uh, yesterday, I worked out. I think for about ninety minutes. So, so lifting weights definitely. Got home, and uh, my oldest uh, was ready to go play tennis. So I took a couple of Advil and uh, <laughs> headed out the door. So uh, exercise, exercise. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, what's one piece of technology or life hack you use uh, to be your most productive self? Uh, I'm not a really big electronics person, but if I were to say something that I use on a daily basis that has bailed me out several times would be my Google calendar. And if I didn't have it, telling me occasionally, Hey, you, in 30 minutes, you got to talk to Seth and I, I would be in a, <laughs> a world of trouble. So the, the Google calendar. Yeah, for sure. If it, if it doesn't hit the calendar, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom. I would encourage them to block out time, whether it's every night or even just once a week to where you're dedicated 30 minutes or an hour to start learning about, you know, passive income or financial freedom or, or, or whatever you're trying to accomplish and go from there. Awesome. Awesome. How has passive income made your life better? It has uh, given me options. Whereas before I only had one path, the accumulation path, work till I'm 70 and hope I have enough money in my 401k. But uh, now I'm 46 and uh, looking maybe four to five years of transitioning out and never would have been able to do that um, if it wasn't for passive income. That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. All right, Jeff, where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, they could go to my website, debtfreedr.com. Um, I've put together a free passive income guide so they can, uh, Go to debtfreedr.com forward slash free guide. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The doctor has left the building. Unbelievable story. 
love the hustle and that's what it takes do what you have to do to make it work think outside of the box and take action major keys don't assume the gravy train isn't going to dry up it can and it will one stream of active income is not safe no matter what the firm or that your financial advisor tells you it's not take back control create multiple streams of income to build your own economy Start buying back your time, just like Jeff did. Take action now and join Epic, our Esquire Passive Investor Club by going to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and clicking join the club. On to the next one, folks. Enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.